Hey, Northwest Arkansas. Welcome back to another episode of Hey, Hey, NWA. I can't even say the name of the podcast, right? What's wrong with me? Welcome back to another episode of Hey, Hey, NWA. That's this podcast. Uh, Today's episode, very exciting, is the episode that we recorded while at our friend Meg Meredith's book party is what it was. It wasn't really a book release. The book has been out for a while, but it was a book party. Um, and Meg did an incredible job of bringing together a bunch of storytellers, friends of hers, uh, musicians and poets and all sorts of people doing good work in Northwest Arkansas and brought them under one roof. And we all got to hang out and tell stories of people doing nonprofit work and people sharing poetry and painting and we got to do a live podcast, whatever. Anyway, so we recorded the whole event and you're going to hear a lot of what took place um, on Saturday night. Very good stuff. Um, So you're going to see a bunch of, or I guess you're going to hear, you don't see much in a podcast. You're going to hear a bunch of stories from different people doing good work in Northwest Arkansas. We're going to link to a bunch of those people's work in the description of this show. So if you hear something from someone during the podcast, whether that's Michael or Jenny or Stephanie or whoever, Meg even, uh, we're going to put their information in the description of the show. So if you hear something that you're interested in, you can go check out each and every person that participated in Saturday night's event. So anyway, without further ado, here are Peyton, Meg, and myself, and a slew, a host of other people. Uh, there's going to be some music interdispersed too. Uh, that's Will Gunzelman, really great musician. We didn't include his whole performance, but you'll get to hear some of his music throughout. So anyway, enjoy the episode, and thank you for listening. See y'all soon. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome tonight um, to the beautiful Berry Farms for Meg Meredith's book party for the Rook and the Queen. So, if we can ask everybody to huddle in, get on one of these benches, and we're about to get started with our live recording uh, for the podcast. So, uh, I'm Peyton Finley. This is Zach Pankey. We are with Hey Hey NWA. We do a podcast on Northwest Arkansas life and culture, and we're so happy to sit with Meg Meredith tonight. Good transition, Peyton, just sitting right down, as you said. Let's sit down. (laughs) Uh, Also, simultaneously, uh, while we're we're recording this podcast and while people are telling stories later on tonight, our friend Sam Gray is going to be painting a painting over here. So keep your eyes peeled stage left. Um, We're also going to (laughs) be raffling that painting off tonight. So if you haven't yet, uh, go back to Meg's table and write down your name and your email address, and we will raffle that painting off at the end of the night. So, woo-woo. Woo! And then after that, actually, 
Um, well, actually, before we do the raffle, uh, we'll have some time of stories and poetry. And then after that, we're going to have Will Gunzelman do some live music. So I'm very excited for tonight. Yay. Thanks for being here, y'all. Meg, thank, thanks for writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> That's what got us all here, right? That's right. <laughs> so, Rook and the Queen. Um, for those that have not read it or have not read the back of the book, yeah. what is a short summary of this young adult novel that you've released? Yeah, so um, Avery Brave Nightingale is a high school student, and she, to me, is uh, Nancy Drew meets Veronica Mars mm -hmm. and goes to a private school. A Christian private school and um, awkward and scandalous things ensue. <laughs> Which is true. Zach and I have gotten the pleasure to read the book. So awkward and scandalous things do ensue. <laughs> we can't yes. confirm. Yes. Very much so for a private Christian school of all yes. places too. Right. A lot of uh, twists and turns you're not expecting of a private Christian school in mm -hmm. fictitious Bentonville. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. Um, you do have the story take place in Bentonville. Yeah. And so what, what was that like um, starting to write, um, create something fiction in something that's real? Mm, that's a good question. Um, obviously, Bentonville is super cool, right, guys? <laughs> and so it's not hard to sit around the square and be inspired and um, write based on real businesses and real s scenery and um, uh, just our cool city that we live in. But also didn't want to, didn't want people to think I was writing based on real schools mm -hmm. or um, real scandals or whatever. So definitely um, made part of it fictitious and part of it real. Did you did you grow up in a private Christian school? Is I that, did. I did not. I didn't know if that was where you get your context for like the feel of some weird private Christian school that's mascot is the saints <laughs> and all of like like uh, Avery Braves like yeah. inner monologue yes. about this is really weird how characters interacting and that sort of thing. Where do you go in your brain when you mm -hmm. sit down to think like, this is a private Christian school. How do we right. communicate? Right. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that comes from church culture that I grew up in actually is just, um, <clears throat> things I noticed and inconsistencies that I participated in and things like that. And just, um, issues that rubbed me that it was just like, I think Avery Brave would have a hard time with this issue. And I think she would speak up about that. And so I just sort of put it in a school context because we all know that, that a Christian private school is not necessarily mean that it's somehow holier than a public school. There's still the same things that teenagers are dealing with there that they would in a public setting. There's two really interesting things there, and I want to get to both of them. Uh, number one, how do you put your brain into 16-year-old girl mode again <laughs> when you're Wasn't not, that long ago, Zach. You're not as, I mean, oh, sorry. <laughs> Apologies. It has only been five years. Um, we're, like, the drama that mm -hmm. unfolds around these characters is very much feels like high school drama yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I just you... remember it so clearly. Because <laughs> it was just yesterday. It was so recently. But it's not yeah. based on real events. 
you know. No, so. I mean, some conversations are based on real things, but not, I mean, the whole book is not based on a true story or anything. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. lived experience of high school girl, Meg, once I upon so, a day. I think so, yeah. Gotcha. The other thing that I would like to hit on is not just like the weird fake high school drama that exists around high school culture, but there is like a really heavy sense mm. of like teenagers go through really, really tough stuff. Yeah. Um, and their brains are changing, their bodies yeah. are changing and they're having new experiences and all this stuff, which comes into it in a way that's not strange or like puberty, <laughs> you know, it's, it's visceral. You feel like, aren't we glad I it. didn't write about puberty? <laughs> <laughs> The puberty mystery. It's very, very, let's figure it out. Um, that's book two. Alternate. Oh, that's book two. <laughs> Keep it posted. Alternate y'all. title for the, the series is alternate The Puberty Files. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I forgot what the question was. <laughs> I don't even know if there's a question in there. It's just like, I mean, because some of it is really grounded in, in yeah. reality. How do you go about communicating in not a weird way mm. what high school students actually deal with? Right. Um, whether it's like changes in themselves or like in the way they think about things or like mm. really learning for the first time how to communicate and be in relationship with people or be a good friend or be mm-hmm. a good daughter or that sort right. of thing. Well, the interesting part about that is I had somebody read it and, um, and she is a teenager and she does go to a private school. And one of her feedback things was that they almost seemed a little too mature. Mm-hmm. Like she hand, like Avery Brave handled things a little too well. Um, and I guess I, I could agree with her and I could go there about it. But at the same time, I wanted Avery Brave to handle things that way because it's almost the way I wanted to have handled it in high school or the way I wish someone would handle it now. Um, all of my books tackle tough subjects. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I want them to do. And so she's going to take on the hard stuff and, um, and sometimes she's not going to handle it well. And sometimes she is going to handle it well. And I just kind of sit around and go like, how would I want a good human to handle that? You know, cause normally a high school student is not always going to handle things in a mature fashion. Really? (laughs) Really? That's such a shock. But I think that's more where the mindset comes from is like, if I could go back, how would I handle this? Mm. Or if someone came to me and said that to me now, how would I want to handle it now? Yeah, I definitely felt like Avery Brave is just like this adult, like this old soul embodying a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. Uh, Really neat stuff. Like even like the language she uses or the way that she assesses situations Mm -hmm. in a room. It's really good. Well, speaking of those themes, those heavier themes that you're talking about, um, something that Zach and I both noticed upon reading the book is sexuality is a very, um, very prominent theme in the book. Just how to, like Zach said, how to be in relationship with one another um, and just a multitude of other, um, other interactions and thoughts and experiences around sexuality. Could you speak a mm-hmm. little bit to that? Mm-hmm. And I guess why you have such a heavy... Um, emphasis on this theme Mm -hmm. um again i think it's because this is reality this is what kids are going through even before high school um they're tackling sex and sexuality um way before they get to high school and you know honestly some of the conversations that happen in the book you'll have to read it um (laughs) like 
those would probably happen in junior high these days. Right. But I wanted to take them on in a way that was realistic, but incorporated her faith mm-hmm. without being like preachy or um, weird or awkward or, you know, um, I wanted her to just take on those themes in a way that she would take them on because I wanted some high school girl to be like, Oh, I never thought about it that way. That is what you should say. Or, you know, um, you know, not go mainstream and maybe even the way Avery Brave handles that would speak to them about how they could handle it as well. Yeah. It's, oh man. Some of it just, some of it hits you like a train. Cause yeah. I'm sitting here reading a young adult book and it's like, man, what she just said hit me like a truck because it's really important, significant stuff that it seems like teenagers are dealing with today. It's not like, oh, this is some like projected far off thing. Mm-hmm. Like sex is so much a part of like the experience of like 14 and 15 year old kids today. Right. Um, so the entire book is not about sex, I promise. <laughs> yeah, sorry. This was, this was just something I think that stuck out to Peyton and I both yeah. just like, like this is the viscera of high school kids today. Right. Um, and the fact that you handle that so well was really impressive to me, especially like not expecting it from a young adult novel, right. mystery novel. Mm-hmm. So we may, we will move on from that. And I feel like we've <laughs> thoroughly handled that. Uh, I was just about to say the same thing. Like we should probably bounce. That's kids fine. No, that's room. good. That's good. Then, Mystery, mm. mystery. How how does one do a mystery novel of all things? Do you start with this premise of, or do you start with this larger story and work your way back to like a singular event that sets this off as mm-hmm. she's discovering what's going on? How do you write mystery? Yeah, that too. Um, honestly, this has been a, a funny process because I'd never written one before. Mm. Um, my first two novels are not mysteries. They have some sort of suspenseful elements in them, but they're not a mystery. Um, and so it was, it was a weird process, and I probably didn't do it right. Um, but that's the beauty of self-publishing: is I don't have someone telling me that I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. I can just yeah. do it how I do it. So normally, most of my books start with that singular scene. Like it comes in a dream or I just hear a conversation and I'm like, that's it. Um, So it kind of starts in one scene, one conversation. And then I just kind of have to put the pieces together and figure it out from there. And sometimes it's like, yeah, that doesn't work. And so we have to take out that element and like figure out what goes where kind of thing. Do you mind if we ask you what that singular conversation or moment or dream was for this book in particular? Um, That's a good question. I think the very, um, nope, you're going to have to read the book. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That was so mean. I'm just kidding. There, I just don't want to give it away. There is a scene at the end, um, sort of the, the climax of the book, um, that, that arc that you'll see everything sort of resolve. Um, but it comes to a very heavy tension and that was the scene. I can't tell you what it is because you'll have to read the book. (laughs) Books are in the back, by the way, (laughs) just so everyone's aware because we're referencing that you should read the book so much. Yeah. Being in an area, Bentonville, Northwest Arkansas, broader, speaking in more broad terms, 
Um, there's a lot of people who do really great work and are self-funded mm-hmm. or like self-driven. Like a lot of the people you'll hear tonight are stuff that they created and right. the stuff that they fund themselves or um, you've also done that. What is the experience like of self-publishing a book? <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Yeah. If I wanted to, I don't want to sit down and write mm-hmm. a book. That sounds wretched. Um, <laughs> but, but if I were, what is step one? Um, and two and three and yeah. 17. Yeah. Could you write a book on how to write a book? Sure. Let me get right on that. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think step one was realizing that I didn't have to wait for someone to pick me. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent several years trying to get a foot in the door of the publishing game and realized that it was a catch 22. You have to be, um, you have to have an agent in order to get published and nobody wants to be your agent unless you've been published. And so it's like, wait guys, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're already famous, then it works really well for you. And people will just beg you to write a book. Right. Um, But for somebody like me who just had stories in their heart, it was like, what do I do with this? What's the point of having these and wanting to tell stories if I can't put it anywhere? And so um, just did a lot of research and reached out to different authors, traditionally published and self-published, and just said, what do I do? And the best advice I got was don't sit on it. Just put put your craft out there and do it the best that you can. And see what happens. And so step one was realizing that I didn't have to wait to be picked. Hmm. Were your other books also self-published? Yes. Okay. I just, so if you were to issue some sort of encouragement to people Mm -hmm. who are thinking like starting an adventure of some sort, is that the advice that you would hand on to them? I think so. Because for me, it's not about the, it's not about the money. Obviously, I'm not making any money. at this go buy a book people spoiler (laughs) alert but i'm okay with that because i'm just having fun putting these out and i love that you guys are reading them go read it um shameless plugs right um i love that people are reading them and i am building a readership and people do enjoy them and it's you know it's worthwhile for them to read it which makes it worthwhile for me to keep writing and so um yeah, I think I would just tell people that if you're passionate about it and you're you want to put it out there like nothing's stopping you. If you are intimidated by young adult mystery novel, <laughs> if that is something that just does not interest you at all. I sat down with this book. I was telling Meg this earlier. <laughs> I sat down with this book incredibly cynical <laughs> of it being I will not be interested in this. This is homework for a podcast that I'm doing uh, for this, whatever. But I sat down with it and I was really, really upset that I didn't have two more hours to finish it all in one sitting. Like <laughs> it's really incredible. I was, I was shocked by how well it hooked me, a 20 something guy who did not go to private Christian school and just abhorred by all that weirdness. <laughs> um, but it like, it for me, I was I was surprised that it like stuck its claws mm-hmm. in me and like wouldn't let go. Um, so I applaud you for that. Thank you. And like, go read the book. Yeah. It's not just for like <laughs> when it's not a weird plug in the way that just go read it because you want to support Meg. But it's got like meat there that's really good. That I was 
I was surprised that was there. <laughs> I'm with Zach. Um, I, yeah, I expected to not relate, I guess, relate to it as much as I did. But there were parts of it where I was like, oh, ouch. Okay. There, <laughs> there that is. Um, well, and I guess it's, it just emphasizes that um, the experiences of high schoolers um, will just really... Uh, any person that's younger, like, is really our experience as well. Like, we we can all relate to that mm-hmm. because, you know, they're people and we're people and we're just in different stages of life, but they're yeah. still the same themes. Yeah. So, we really appreciated that. I wanted to write it in a sense that it would, it would I'm glad it gripped you because that's, mm-hmm. that's the whole idea. <laughs> um, it means I'm doing something right. Um, but also just that I wanted it to be a book that was young adult, but also kind of transcended that to where other people could totally identify with that, whether because everyone went to high school, probably, hopefully. Um, (laughs) It's the law, right? You have to go to high school. (laughs) Anyways, um, edit that out. Just kidding. Um, You can identify with it, but also it's the things maybe that you didn't have, that relationship with your parents. Everybody has an incredible relationship with their parents, and her parents are like, totes amazing right so everybody wants that or you had that or you didn't have that and so in some fashion you're going to relate with almost everything in the book because you either longed for that or you had it i'm going to latch on to that she has amazing parents part because that is true in the book um i i feel like in most well i mean in most novels in general it doesn't have to be necessarily young adult but it's always like the teens like oh such an estranged relationship with Mm -hmm. like the parents but um I guess, why did you choose for that relationship to be so tight? Um, Because they're they're pivotal, like, in the book, Mm -hmm. um, which I didn't expect. I thought it was going to be angsty and just like, I don't need (laughs) you guys. Well, maybe one day I'll have to go back and write, like, the prologue because I feel like at one point in her life that wasn't true. True. Which, if you read the book, you know what I'm talking about. Um, (laughs) Read the book. I told you guys I'd do that. (laughs) So... um, their relationship has changed because of a very pivotal thing that happens to her. Um, and so I think before that it was probably a lot more angsty. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of what they've been through together and what they've, they've come into like a new place where, um, they have so much respect for each other, but also they're like realistically honest, you know, about the world and about her and, and even themselves when they're wrong, they say they're wrong kind of thing. And, um, again, it was just those things like if I could go back and have a different relationship with my parents, what would I want it to look like? I'd want it to look like that. (laughs) (laughs) What have you learned from writing this first book that you will now carry into the rest of the series? Mm. Oh, that's a hard one. Uh oh. <laughs> Should have prepped me for that one. Sorry. I'm kidding. <clears throat> um, I think with any book, not necessarily specific to Avery Brave, but with each book, I am completely humbled by people's generosity when I make mistakes. Um, because I make a lot. <laughs> and self publishing is not a flawless thing. And I have an editor, but she's not always perfect and Um, I love to incorporate all these talented people, but that means that sometimes it's messy and, um, I just love how everyone's, they love the story and they love that I wrote it. And so they often are 
so willing to overlook um, minor mistakes or release date is late or like whatever it would be um, that people are great. What is uh what can we expect from Avery Brave and maybe mm. the next book? That's a good one. Um Avery Brave encounters um some new friends and has a lot of trouble with um her love life. Those relationships um get a little shook and and she takes on some even heftier mysteries and scandals and um, those those same themes that are there are going to carry us through book three. Book two is already written, by the way. Hey, yo. <laughs> when is Do we have an idea of when we might see Nightingale um, Files book two? Kind of depends on how many books I sell. <laughs> <laughs> Since I'm funding this, it just depends on what I can afford. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> well, kind of wrapping things up, um, do you want to talk about how I guess not necessarily people in the crowd, but people listening right now where they can find your book. Mm-hmm. Um, also your other books um, that you've released in the past. I believe you have two others. Is that yes, correct? correct? So what are the names of those? Um, Beautiful Ashes was the first one. And then Where the Shade Ends is the second one. They're standalone books though. Gotcha. Yeah. And where can people find those? Um, those are on Amazon, Kindle, um, Barnes & Noble Nook, and um, my website. Okay. Awesome. Can we give Meg a round of applause? So do we have any questions from the audience before we get some stories going? Thank you guys for coming, by the way. What's your website? Uh, Megaphonepublishing.net. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, oh. question? Why, why did you choose to write about a girl at a tattoo shop? So, the question was just to say into the microphone. Yeah. Um, why did you choose <laughs> to write about um, a private Christian school girl rather than um, somebody else in a different context, I guess? Mm. Um, I would say this probably applies to all three of my books out so far. I didn't necessarily choose it. Um, oh. It kind of comes from. All three of them have been like dreams. I like wake up and I'm like, that's a scene for a book. And so I write it down and then it literally becomes a book. And so sometimes I don't, I think that's how inspiration happens. And you just kind of, you got to go with it and see where it takes you. And and so I don't, I didn't set out to write a book about a private Christian school. (laughs) Um, I don't know that that would have been welcomed really, (laughs) but (laughs) But I love Avery Brave, and so um, when I had that vision of her, it was just sort of like, okay, let's see where this goes. So what were your protagonists of your other two books? Like, what were their kind of, what were they like? What was their context? Um, Where the Shade Shade Ends actually takes on, um, like, human trafficking and pornography and stuff, and so... um, there's a really, really bad guy who is sort of the head of a corporation that is into sex trafficking. So he's um, very much like, I can have whatever I want kind of guy. And um, in Beautiful Ashes, there, I think, honestly, the 
the protagonist is that's not what you're asking is it yeah it no is. yeah that's what okay. I was asking. Yeah. <laughs> sorry just to expound on that um, question. i'm looking at this fabulous painting that sam is doing and i got distracted <laughs> we put you on the wrong side know, of the I hay know. bales um so in, <laughs> in beautiful ashes it's more her inner struggle with her um there's a family tragedy and scandal and so it's her struggle with her own family there's not really like a a bad guy okay any other audience questions if not we will wrap up and move to some really good stories Yay. cool 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 cool, cool. <laughs> all right Another May. round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Also, give it up for Meg for putting on such a wonderful night. We are far from done. Um, but we're going to transition into some storytelling stuff. So hang with us for one second. Go to the bathroom. Get a refill or something if you need it. Bye-bye blues I'm going far away from like you I'm gonna get right on in no jet plane or hop on board a southbound train Cause nothing is gonna get me down I'm out of this place and no normal sort of way You know thing is gonna bring me out down And I won't be here before or somewhere in between I'm gonna find my Dixie Queen Hello sunset now and goodbye regret for what was my life and it's nothing but blue skies your dark hair and your big brown eyes for my life and nothing is gonna get me down I'm out of this place and no normal sort of way Nothing is gonna bring me down And I won't be here far or somewhere in between Gonna find my Dixie Queen
Nothing is gonna bring me down Well I'm out of this place in no normal sort of way Nothing is gonna get me down I won't be here, I'll be far or somewhere Somewhere in between Find my next queen Thank you. All righty. So we're going to get this uh, time of storytelling and stuff kicked off with a friend of ours, Jay Means. He's going to be doing some poetry for us. So if you want to head on up, Jay. Thanks, brother. And this microphone's all yours, dude. Hello, everyone. Um, my name's Jay, Jay Means. <laughs> um, I'm going to be reading from my book. It's a collection of poems and prose over five years' time. Um, give you a little backstory on me. Uh, I used to be a minister. I was a minister for two and a half years, minister in training and youth pastor. Um, for two and a half years, and that gave me a lot of inspiration for the work that went into this book, um, according to the poems and prose. So the first piece I'm going to read is called Sweet Dreaming. And I wrote this, I want to say like within the last six months before I left the church. I just had a lot of different things on my mind. Um, my eyes were being opened to a lot of different things. And uh, I feel like we all have this time in our lives when we feel vulnerable. And this was definitely one of those times. Sweet Dreaming. The beauty of a dream that screams from underneath the fabric of our imagination and in its truth. This truth flows from the heart and triggers expansion of the human mind. A divine spirit of existence lingers under the mist of a painted false reality. The dream feels so real to me that the taste fills my mouth with the sweetness of destiny. The aroma of fulfilled promise awakens me into considering a life of unspoken possibility. I want to swim in a river of spiritual prosperity. The filth of a dark world would be ripe clean in the rays of a guiding light so bright that it draws the attention of the world. The greatness of life will be evident through the interaction between you and me. The loving passion of people will be lost in a sea of sweet and everlasting peace. This is the beginning of tomorrow. Follow your dreams. What do you adhere to? Is it self-preservation and ideology? Or is it the foundation so strong the walls can never be breached? Perhaps you believe the fear talk, like that which fills my mind from time to time. Sometimes I think that my supposed power is too inadequate to fulfill my purpose, which makes me feel worthless. These inferior feelings may come and commandeer the things I hold dear. I choose to hang on until the plan becomes clear. 
That's sweet dreaming. So this, the backstory on this piece is called Letter to My Unborn Son. And I actually wrote this about a year after the book was finished. I was working on publishing it. And my son was about to be born the next month. And I was raised without my father. And I don't know if there's any Tupac fans here, but <laughs> I was uh, extremely inspired by that song, uh, Letter to My Unborn Child. And I just kept playing it over and over again. And it's just, what would I want to tell my son if I happened, something happened to me before he got here? So, letter to my unborn son. My son, be good. This is your destiny. Your purpose, my son, is to love and to spread that love at all costs. Know this world is not perfect. There will be times when it seems very dark. And you will think, what is the point of it all? I say to you, find the beauty that lives on our Mother Earth. Spend time alone in nature to find your peace and harmony. Witness the pure creation of God and all its wonder. This will help you spread the light that lives inside of all things out into the darkness. Seek to be a boring torch in the abyss of hate and fear. My son, I am not perfect, and I pray that you will learn from my mistakes I know that you will teach me to be a better man. I hope that one day you will lead me to a better tomorrow and that you will be a mirror to the depths of my soul. My son, nothing is impossible. Anything that you dream of doing in this life can be accomplished with hard work and dedication. You are powerful beyond measure. Just know that the greatest enemy you will face will not be from an outside force, rather from your own reflection in the mirror. You must learn to conquer your fear and weakness so others may learn to do the same. I love you, my son. And one day, when you have a child, I hope that you remember this letter and guide them as I am guiding you now. Until you arrive, I will be here waiting to see your beautiful face. Thank you, guys. All righty. That was excellent. Thanks, Jay. Uh, next up, we've got Jenny Mars. Hey, Jenny. <laughs> uh, this is her thing. Berry Farms is her thing, and she's going to... But thanks for having us. Thanks so much for having us. So I'm going to let you have the mic. Okay. Hi. Thank you guys for coming um, to support Meg and to our farm. My husband and I, he's not here. He's hunting right now. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> He missed our son's last baseball game this morning because he had a chance to bring our new hunting dog hunting. I'm like, the dog is more important than our kids. But anyway, that's just between us. We're, we're okay. It's fine. So anyway, <laughs> it's totally, you're not recording this anymore, right? It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Love you. Love you, Dave. Um, so this is our farm. We have outside, you can't see them now, but there are blackberries and blueberries. Hi, Jessica. Blueberry, I didn't see you earlier. Blueberry plants outside. And um, we have a harvest in the summer. Our first harvest was this past summer. We planted three summers ago. It was community-wide effort. We had everyone out here um, helping plant. So this is a, um, just not just our place at all. It's a community place. And the funds for this farm go toward a program that we have partnered with an organization called Help One Now. And we have a tr farm agriculture training program in Zimbabwe with Help One Now under the leadership of their 
amazing, amazing, amazing local leader, Pastor John in Zimbabwe. He um, has helped us. This was his vision. We're just coming alongside of him. And we didn't really know what we were doing with this farm when we planted three years ago. But now we know it was for Pastor John. And um, he has a program started. We're leasing land for the teenage boys that are um, orphaned and abandoned and living in his little uh, children's village called Mushawavana. And these boys have come in at older ages and trying to plug into school and they have no foundation of being in school. So it's, it's definitely a challenge for them. And so what we're coming along with him and for these boys is to teach them a trade. So they're going to learn how to farm. There's orchards there. There are livestock. And so they're learning how to care for this land, how to care for the, the plants and the animals. They're feeding the other kids at Mushuivana. And they're also selling the goods at the market. So this farm here is funding that farm there. And um, my husband and I, Dave, have both been met these kids. They are just amazing. We're going back in April. So if anyone wants to come to Zimbabwe, you're welcome to come. Um, and so, yeah, just welcome and come back in June and pick some berries and tell your friends. We just renovated this, this space, and so we're using it for things like this. So if anyone needs a space for something like a book launch, I don't know, who writes a book in six weeks, Meg? If you do, we have a farm that you can, you can use. So I think that's it. Thanks. Thanks so much, Jenny. Alrighty, next up, Jared Sears. Sir, quit your conversation. Get up to the microphone. This is my buddy, Jared. Hey. Hey, buddy, Jared. You're going to talk about something cool, aren't you? We're going to share a microphone. Come here, Zach. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so my name is Jared, and um, I am at Bike Rack. I do events and marketing uh, for them. And then uh, me and uh, about 120 other people are part of a network of house churches. Um, so what we uh, want to do is just kind of um, give uh, the just essentially just be embedded into the cracks and crevices of our city, um, of the people that may not want to go to a big building or may not even see the point of church or, you know, want anything to do with that. Uh, and how can we be small and nimble and the poor and the lost and the impoverished and the hurting and the broken, how can they uh, be served? And so it's called narrative because we want to help people find their story and see that in the context of a greater story of all humanity. And it's also not based off of um, just, hey, if you believe the same thing I believe, then we're going to do this work together. We believe in human dignity. We believe that we have a God who has created every person um, that uh, has given them meaning. And so every person having that image and that meaning means that they're worthy of our love. They're worthy of us serving them. So whoever the hurting and the poor are, what we want to do is just help people to find who those people are and to go do it. And um, a little bit of church language here. We want to break down the idea of there's clergy, professionals, and this line between clergy and laity, the people who aren't supposed to do the ministry. We want to get rid of the idea of laity because um, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are called to be good news and to bring that good news again to the poor and the hurting and the broken so clothing people, feeding people, um, you know, who, is the, who are the marginalized um, in, our, in our city? 
So, and then from that, we are developing a space, a network to not only help these micro churches, if you will, uh, to go and do their own things, but also to help local, local organizations, nonprofits, whoever are doing good and to give them space and, and lease that space out in an affordable way for them to do good in the city as well. And we're also in that space going to have a venue that we want to serve artists and give artists space. And venue space in Bentonville is like a problem, um, really in Northwest Arkansas. And so we're, we're excited about a place that 100 people can gather um, to do things. Artists can use that space. You can record a podcast there. You can do a dance thing there. You can do poetry nights there, all that stuff. And so we, we, we really want to have this space that is completely and utterly used for the good of the city. Um, so that's, that's what we want to do. That's, that's narrative. Um, and it's kind of wild and crazy and doesn't need full-time staff. It doesn't need all these resources. It just needs people. Um, people who are going to uh, answer the call that they have in their lives to be good news. So, yeah? yeah. Is that what you, okay, cool. All right. Yeah. All right. That was actually your opportunity to launch your rap career, Jared. That was what we wanted you to do um, <laughs> with those cool shoes. All righty. Uh, next up, is Corey Rush here? Corey? Cool. Hey, everybody, this is Corey, and she's going to talk about 99 Balloons. Hi, I'm Corey. I don't know a lot of you, but I know a handful, but um, it's fun to be here. Um, I'm on the board of 99 Balloons, and that is an organization, they're out of Fayetteville, but so local, that Matt and Jenny Mooney in Fayetteville started actually 10 years ago. So we just had their 10-year celebration a couple weeks ago, um, celebrating 99 Balloons, and it started... When their son Elliot was born 11 years ago, he was born with Edwards Syndrome, and he lived for 99 days. So every day for 99 days of his life, they celebrated his birthday. Um, and then as his passing at 99 days, they set off um, 99 Balloons, which is where they got the name for their organization. So what they do, they do a monthly thing called recess, which is respite for special needs kiddos and their families for their siblings. So the mom and dads can have a date, um, go to a movie, go grocery shopping, whatever they want to do. Their special need kiddos and their siblings have a night of just fun activity. Um, and those are done in churches. There's 40 sites, um, and those are actually all across the country and then Canada and Australia. So that's fun that they're moving globally with that. And then they also have what's called 99 Network, which is their global um, organization or under their umbrella. And so they're in Haiti, India, Zimbabwe as well, Nicaragua. Um, seems like I'm leaving one out. But um, so globally, they're partnering all over the world. Just they want to change the face of disability. That's their heart. And their mission um, is just changing that around the world and serving families um, with kiddos with special needs. So we would love for y'all to get involved. There's several recess sites here in our area as well. And they always need volunteers for that. And they'll train you. They've got an annual conference called the Engage Conference where they do training um, as well. And they're just, um, their heart and their passion um, after um, losing their son Elliot is just being a voice for those special need kiddos. So... Anyways, thanks. Thank you, Corey. All righty, who do we have next? Michael. Michael Curtis. 
Hello. Thanks, Jared. I really needed all that support. It's great. Uh, hello, my name is Michael Curtis. I'm joined here by my wonderful wife, Amberly. She's there. She's great. My better half. Um, so I have a company called Movement, and I do things in music. Uh, the three main things I do, one is called Mastering. It's basically Photoshop for audio. It's like help your record sound better before your fan hears it. And second is composing. I write pretty things for people who make videos. So they make things look good. I make it sound good behind them. And then lastly, I like helping people make records. I guess it's called music producer. I do have a hairy chest, but I don't smoke cigarettes. So I'm, I can't be in LA. Uh, but so yeah, music producing. So uh, <laughs> you like that, Jared? I'm glad you did. It's not a secret. Yeah, the hair square, it happens. It's good. It's there. Just breaking the ice. It's good. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Crew deck. It was a good decision. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I like helping people <laughs> make music, make records. And uh, as a somewhat solopreneur for like three, four years now, I've had the terrifying thing of like, you know, not having a real job for a lot of time. And I feel like a lot of artists have that same thing. They're like, I made a record. Now what? Or I, I know I need to tour, I need to be on the radio, I need to be whatever. Uh, maybe I should have a podcast, so should I come to Instagram like seven times a day or just one? Or like whatever. And people are struggling with uh, probably just one. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's people have this art and talent, and there's this, this weird stereotype with the, like, the creative type. They have no idea what they're doing. They're bouncing off the walls and whatever. And like I get that. People, maybe you're creative, may not have a strong point organization, but I feel like there is a huge amount of talent here in Northwest Arkansas, a huge amount of resources that are untapped. So I'm interested in helping com uh, connect talented musicians, venue owners, engineers, people working in the music industry with those resources, whether that's helping them figure out what they're calling, is to how to serve the community specifically, how to build things that are maybe outside Northwest Arkansas, but I'm tired of people saying, I want a music career, I need to go in Nashville. And then they go on the meat grinder for five years and come back and go, that was fun, I'm a waiter. Yes. No, nothing wrong with waiting tables, that's great, it's cool, you can be very good at that, but um, you don't want this thing shoved down for so long and have no idea how to bring it out. And so I don't know, that's the thing, I really have no idea, but I wanna figure it out, I'm gonna start the conversation. I feel like there are a lot of people here in town who have at least some idea, have some experience, and there's a multitude. If like we can have like a multi multi million dollar like art place, there you know, my eyes are satisfied. How about my ears? Someplace else. Someone's got to be funding that. And so, um, anyway, again, there's way too many talented people who have good things to share to not give them a platform to do so. Um, and so with that, I don't have an entity yet, but I published episode one of my podcast. Yeah. So yay pod. it's called the Sellout Podcast, and uh, I guess the next episode will be about the name. But Sellout is like you can be an artist who wants to, um, like, well, I didn't make it in music, so I sold out and got a nine to five at a desk. Or I can sell out, you know, the Grand Ole Opry. So it's two sides of the coin. And so like, how do I figure out how to make that happen um, here? And some of us may still live that split line of like having a real job and doing music, but that's life giving. So what does that mix look like specifically here in Northwest Arkansas? That's what I'm about. And uh, yeah, you can find me on the gram, Michael K. Curtis. It's <laughs> and uh, my website's called Movement Mastering. I can make your music sound good. Thanks for having me. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate that. All righty. Next up, Stephanie or Adam Moss are here. Stephanie? Very good. Excellent. 
My name is Stephanie Moss, and I do have a hairy chest, and I smoke. So, no, I'm just kidding, really. Um, Meg is a dear friend, and it is an absolute privilege to be here tonight with you. Um, I serve on the board of directors with Serve Northwest Arkansas. We are a small, local nonprofit who really just loves people. And one of the ways that we get to connect with people is through an initiative we have called Laundry Love. So we may not realize that sometimes when we have limited budgets and limited resources, that once we've paid for rent and food and utilities and school supplies and those sorts of things, that if we don't have a washer and dryer in our home, laundry actually can fall to the bottom of our list. So it's an incredible opportunity that we take every single month. My husband and I helped start the Rogers Laundry Love locally here January of 2009. And I'm super proud to say that Laundry Love each month has not been missed since that time in Rogers. And so we take... A couple hundred dollars in quarters, we take laundry soap, we have incredible volunteers like the Martins who show up every month faithfully to love our neighbors there. Our poems that were on the front end of this talked about our purpose of love. We actually believe strongly in that. Um, we believe in developing relationships and the laundromat is actually an incredible place to do that. So we meet families, moms, dads, kids, our five children come, sometimes we paint nails, sometimes we play cards, we engage the adults that come, we find out some of their needs, we connect them to other resources in our community, whether it be food pantries, um, folks that can help with housing, transportation, medical needs, things like that. And we come together, um, Fayetteville and Rogers are the first Friday of every month. Springdale is the third Thursday of every month. And we need community. We want to develop community around these folks. We want to um, bring volunteers in. We are 100% run off of donations. We have zero overhead, and we are 100% um, done. And I'm saying that wrong. But basically, it happens because of volunteers. And so we invite you in. Uh, this is your formal invitation to join us at Laundry Love. If you want to go to servenwa.org, Click Laundry Love. We'd love to have you come, see it, enjoy the incredible people that we get to meet. They have really wonderful stories. They have beautiful families. And it is a space uh, where we can engage folks in our community that might have different circumstances than we have, but what we really realize is that we're really the same. So Laundry Love, servenwa.org. We invite you in. Please come. It's amazing. Uh, right now, we do not have a Bentonville laundromat and a group that's kind of leading that tribe. So again, it's um, Rogers and Fayetteville, first Friday of every month, Springdale, third Thursday of every month, and the servenwa.org website will have all those dates. If you want to sign up to volunteer, you can do that there or donating there. It's five bucks a load. Uh, it's $500 to sponsor one event I'm sorry, one city for one event each month, and then an annual donation of 6000 if you want to sponsor one city for the whole year. So we invite you in at any level. Please join us. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Hey, Sam. You want to take a break over there and come talk to us about what nonsense you're getting up to over there? Uh, my name is Sam, and hey, 
Uh, I'm usually not very comfortable behind a microphone. I'm usually comfortable with you looking at my back <laughs> side. Uh, that's weird. But um, I, so I'm a, I'm a creative person. I think we're all creative people in different ways. Uh, some of us have to be creative in Excel, and some of us have to be creative um, uh, working through uh, family dynamics. I don't know, or in the work, you know, your work. But um, I have always loved creating things, um, whether that is drawing uh, celebrities or drawing the Marlon Brando from The Godfather. Uh, that was like one of my big, my biggest charcoal pieces I first did in uh, freshman year of college, and um, it was kind of, uh, kind of, uh, I would say, my identity of I am the good artist in my hundred, um, you know, student class, and this is how I am accepted. So I kind of stuck with it, and my parents were fortunately very encouraging, and um, have kind of gone in different routes and different ways of how I am creative. But currently, I I work as a graphic designer for a, a company in Fayetteville, and. On my free time, I like sharing stories, and that is in the form of art, uh, whether that's digital illustration or live paintings or uh, creating giant charcoal pieces. Um, but I would say, as far as why I'm here tonight, is creating a uh, a painting, and it's quite difficult. It's actually very nerve-wracking to create a painting um, in an hour or two time time limit uh, time span, and and hope that it turns out okay at the end, which Plenty of my paintings have not. Um, I don't know how this one's going to turn out, but we'll see. Uh, but um, the whole point of doing something live is is kind of inviting whoever is here, whoever is at the the event, into the process, into the experience. Uh, I think it's more than how the art piece kind of turns out. It's kind of the story and just sharing that creative uh, experience together that I, that inspires us. And I've, I'm inspired tonight of people sharing their stories and uh, about writing and about um, just building relationships with people that um, live different lifestyles than us whether that's at the laundromat or um, I'm fortunate to be able to do um, a thing called Art in the Park which is actually through Serve NWA and uh, that's in Fayetteville so if you ever want to come to when it's in season uh, come to the Walker Park in Fayetteville that's a good way of using a medium to, to share stories, to share your story, to hear other people's stories. So that's, uh, that's just a little plug for that. But um, yeah, a little bit about the painting. Uh, it was originally a boat, if you could tell, maybe. Um, and I, I, love, I love the idea of uh, using physical elements that kind of, uh, you know, obviously that we can relate to, um, you know, I kind of view us as in this painting as we are the boats, we are the the broken ships. Um, there's a song called uh, "Wooden Heart" by Listener. I don't I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's this guy who's kind of rough and he's just talking about how you know we're all broken ships and we're all like just on this journey together. And how about we just hold arms together and like go through this uh, this messy world? Um, but I kind of took that that inspiration from listening to that song and and created this boat uh that kind of gets damaged from underneath and how the 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 story of b us being damaged people or broken people that that can be flipped and turned into something that is um new 
you know, and something that can grow from um, wounds. So uh, that's a little bit of what I'm at least trying to do. Um, you know, it's not how, it's, I have to remind myself, it's not how good the painting ends at the end. It's, it's the story, it's the experience. So thanks for letting me uh, share that experience with you. Thanks, Sam. We have uh, one last surprise storyteller uh, tonight. So if Meg and Jax want to join me up here. Um, Stephanie just asked me how she could win this painting. So just as another plug, there's a fishbowl in the back that you can put your name in. And there's like four things that we're giving away. So... I'll let y'all do the math, but that's pretty good odds of winning something. So put your name in. Yeah, come on, guys. Free stuff. So this is my little guy, Jax. Say hi, Jax. Hi. Jax, how old are you? I'm eight years old. What story are you going to tell? Um, I'm going to tell a story that I'm an ambassador. What are you an ambassador of? Um, the Arkansas Children's Hospital. And why does Arkansas Children's Hospital matter to you? Um, because they have done a lot of surgeries for me. Why did you need surgeries? Um, because I was born with a cleft. And so did Arkansas Children's Hospital change your life? Yes. And how did they change your life? Well, um, um, they fix my smile. That's his first time of telling that story. Way to go, Jax, man. Alrighty, that's the last of our stories for tonight, but stick around. We got some good music with Will Gunzelman yeah. here in a little bit. So we're going to get set up for that. Go get some snacks or whatever you want to do. Hang out for a little bit, and we will get the music kicked off here in a second. All righty. Without further ado, everyone, Will Gunzelman. My name is Will, and I'm uh, honored to be around this company tonight. I'll pick a few songs.
I went strolling down an old road off the four lane. I was arguing with wind vanes and the trees and hoping that you were out there searching. Just turning every rock or oh, in every leaf. Trying to figure out where we were supposed to be. Cause I've been walking the streets, dear. Yes, I've been howling at the moon. It's so clear. I'm just trying to get back to where we started. I'm trying to get back to where I started with you. You saw you searching for the light, too. You saw you searching for the light, too. Yes, there's a story about a miner who's still walking. And you can still see his light for miles out in Dover. Yes, I used to go out wandering. Romantic to me then as it is today. Oh, love and gold, oh, indifferently. Cause I've been walking the streets, dear And I've been howling at the moon, it's so clear I'm just trying to get back to where we started I'm trying to get back to where I started with you Oh, searching for the light, too Oh, searching for the light with you In every step, in every move I will not stray, no, I will not fall from you In all of these moments, getting my chest beating like a drum From the words from my breath, the last breath from my lungs go From my lung Cause I've been walking the streets, dear And I'll keep piling out the moon when it's clear I'm just trying to get back to where we started I'm trying to get back to where I started with you Oh, searching for the light, too. Oh, searching for the light with you. Are too sweet today. <laughs> Again, guys, I'm really happy to be here. 
around all this incredibly talented company, whatnot. I'm gonna sing a little tune I wrote about the Buffalo River. Uh, if you've ever been to the Buffalo River, have you ever been to the Buffalo River? I should have. I'm incredibly nervous behind the microphone when I don't, I'm not playing the guitar, so. Like this guy's, this guy's super awkward when he's talking. He's not looking at me. He can't even hardly say a, a sentence. I get it. Checking out The sun sits over the trees The sky's on fire and on sea And on sea And the cold it burns through the night Morning comes and we'll be alright 
it will be alright This is a tune about treating your ladies, right? I've seen flowers, the sun and the rain And I can take the sound of a railway train But I, no, I can't stand the pain of a woman Didn't good, seen some bad I've been smiling, I've been screaming mad And I, no, I can't stand the pain of a woman In her eyes, I see her fall, and I die for her every time. Cause I can't stand the pain no, of a woman. No, I can't stand the pain from that girl. No, some good, yeah, no, some bad. But I can't stand the pain of a woman. I sleep and talk all night. I can stay calm and I can ride. But I, no, I can't stand the pain of a woman. In her eyes, I see her fall, and I dive for her 
Every time Cause I can't stand the pain Of a woman No, I can't stand the pain From that girl In her eyes, I, I see her fall, and I dive for her every time, cause I can't stand the pain. Oh, that woman, no, I can't stand the pain from that girl. Let me figure out this tune that I'm going to play here. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to play originals tonight. Well, I got to figure out how to play my originals here. That's not it. <clears throat> Let's just jam then while we figure it out. Go on our own 
This can't be the song We're standing all alone So I, I And I hope that you can do Something I could never do Since we tore our lives Into child Oh no we put our hearts on the line So high And hope that you can do Something I could never do Since we tore our lives into child oh, no. to put our hearts on the line and our hearts on the line and our hearts on the line hearts on the line hearts Thank you all very much for tonight. I appreciate you all. Thank you, guys. Will, where can people go to find your music? WillGunselman.Bandcamp.com There you go. Go check it out. Go contribute. You want that beer? <laughs> okay, we've got uh, one more thing. We're going to have our drawing our raffle for the painting. Uh, we want to thank a couple people before we do that. Number one, thank you, Meg. Thank you so much for putting this on. Uh, thanks, everybody who got up and told a story tonight or talked. Thank you, Cole and Michael, for doing all the audio work tonight. Sam, thank you for the great painting. Will, thank you for the music. Thank you, Bike Rack, for bringing beer. And whoever did snacks, y'all. Who? Jenny with Berry Farm, thank you for bringing all the snacks. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. That's the good stuff. Uh, and, of, and of course, Peyton and I, um, who really just brought this whole thing together, really. Um, uh, anyway, if you're listening out there, go check out all the great people who made tonight happen. It's a really great time. Thank you guys so much for being here. And thank you for everybody who participated and helped me. I love you guys. Tip your bartenders or whatever. That's what I say at this point, right? Have a great night, guys. Thanks for coming out and supporting. Mm -hmm.